0: If it's one thing, kind of going on that same thing, if it's one thing that is really, really difficult now, as we've mentioned before, it is us feeling connected, right? It is just so difficult during this pandemic, uh, during the time that we've got to be distanced, that we have to be separated, right? Um, So feeling connected is tough. Another term for that would be community, that that feeling of being part of a community. The title of the message this morning is The Blessing of Community. You know that community is really a basic human need? It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, where God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. God recognized that. Not that he came into it later and said, oops, you know. But God, I think, was making this point that man was created with a need for others, with a need for community. Why? Well, very simply, we were created in God's image, right? in his likeness, to reflect who he is. Who is he? He is love. Well, how can you love unless there's someone to love? (laughs) Got to be someone else to love. I mean, yeah, we love zebras and, you know, cute little furry animals, but we need people to love so that we can reflect the image of our Father. Amen? So, Without those relationships, human beings are in a state of not good. That's what God says, right? In a May 13th, years ago, uh, article for the New York Times, should have put the year on there, entitled Shaking Off Loneliness, uh, a gal named Jane Brody there she is. Uh, she wrote this. Loneliness, says John T. Cashiopo, an award-winning psychologist at the University of Chicago, undermines people's ability to self-regulate. He explains, she writes, that lonely individuals tend to do whatever they can to make themselves feel better, if only for the moment. They may overeat, drink too much, smoke, speed, or engage in indiscriminate physical relations. A review of research published in 1988 found that social isolation is on par with high blood pressure, obesity, lack of exercise, or smoking as a risk factor for illness and early death, Dr. Cacioppo wrote. Even without indulging in unwholesome behaviors, Brody writes, Dr. Cassiope and others have shown that loneliness can impair health by raising levels of stress hormones and increasing inflammation. The damage can be widespread, affecting every bodily system and even brain function. I don't know about you, but I would say that is not good. I think God had it way back in Genesis, Right. I did a similar message a number of years ago, and this sense of disconnectedness, this sense of loneliness from, from our natural tendency to wanna to be self-sufficient, um, that's part of it. But I think the, the other part is that, that we've all been hurt, we've all been wounded, we've all been burned, right? And so we have a, a tendency to react to that and to begin to pull apart. I can take care of my own. I don't need to. I remember my dad you know, said that years ago, he would, um, if anybody had a need in, the, in their neighborhood, they would put out the message. They'd say, hey, so-and-so's painting their house Saturday. Come on. And letters would show up, and paintbrushes would show up, and people would be doing that, and, and the ladies would be cooking, and they'd make a day of it, and the house would be done. One day. It's not Amish people. This is, you know, American people in neighborhoods. But it, it, it almost has become this, uh, this status thing to be able to do it ourselves. But in doing that, we lose that sense of community, don't we? Is it any wonder then? That God, in saving us, in bringing us out of darkness and into light, in making us new creatures in Christ, he brings us together as a body. I love the analogy that the Holy Spirit through Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, for the body, speaking of the human body, does not consist of one member, but of many. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. Ever stub your toe? Your whole body goes... Right? Just for that little bitty toe. Yeah. So if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I love that analogy. In a human body, all the parts need each other, don't they? They're all dependent on each other. It's it's amazing. He talked about the... Um, uh, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. You know, we don't think about some of our internal organs at all, ever, until something goes wrong and it affects the whole rest of us, sometimes uh, in a huge, in the hospital for a week's day, right? I, I, I've seen, in the, in the last number of years, I've seen several people with pancreatitis, whoever thinks of their pancreas. But I'll tell you what. Anybody ever here ever have pancreatitis? It is extremely painful, and it just it it, it just shuts you all down. Your you your whole body says, "I no, it's bad. It is bad." But again, nobody nobody thinks about it until that's going on in a human body. All the parts need each other. They all depend on each other. They all work together with synergy. You familiar with that word, synergy? Dictionary.com defines synergy as the interaction of elements that, when combined, produce a total effect that is greater than the sum of the individual elements. Let me read that again. The interaction of elements that when combined produce a total effect that is greater than the sum of the individual elements. That is God's design for the body of Christ. That's God's design for you and me. That anything that we could do on our own, add it all up and we're here, but put us together and what we can do... Right? We've seen it work here in the church, haven't we? That's God's design. But here, here, here is the $64,000 statement. Being that body, being that community, takes intentionality. It takes intentionality. It doesn't happen in a vacuum, does it? We have to be intentional about it. We have to break the mode. One of the greatest lessons that most of us ever learned came from probably mom when we were in kindergarten, and she said this, if you want a friend, be one. Right. You can't sit around and wait for other people to come to you and say, hey, do you want to be my friend? That actually happened to me. Uh, <laughs> I was in about fifth grade. A neighbor kid rode in front of the house and said, hi, my name's Carl. When it comes in my pool. Said, All right. But. Uh, and we hung out for a lot of years after that. Um, But that is extremely, extremely rare, right? We can't sit around and wait. If we are going to build a sense of community, we have to be intentional. We have to take those first steps to engage other people, to reach out to other people. So... I found uh, this quote that I wrote down some years ago, and the guy's name is Jeff Talbot, but I, I couldn't find any more information on it when I tried to look him back up, but I love this quote. He said this, authentic community isn't simply having nice conversations with friends. Real community exists when people do the work together. One of the difficulties with modern communities is that everyone wants to enjoy the space, but so few are actually interested in doing the work. Friendships are forged while scrubbing floors, putting up fences, fixing cars, or getting up in the middle of the night to take a sick friend to the doctor. There's always a cost, Talbot says, to being part of a community. It will cost you the most valuable resource of all, your time. You can't be selfish and expect to enjoy the fruit of living in community. It doesn't work. It won't work. The community will fail. It's all about sharing. You have to give your life away if you want to be part of something bigger than yourself. I'm to repeat that last part. You have to give your life away if you want to be part of something bigger than yourself. Intentionality. I heard a little clip. Um, Tracy had posted it on Facebook. Um, remember a few weeks back, we uh, I talked about a guy named... Uh, Nick Vujicic, the guy that was born without arms or legs. And uh, in that clip, he says, you have to put it on your calendar. It's not just going to happen. I'm pretty bad at this. I, I, I have to admit, I am really, really bad at saying, we have to do that sometime. We have to get together. We have to sit down. We have to have coffee. We have to do this. And then I run across that person another six months because why? Because I'm not intentional, because I'm not putting it on the calendar and saying, here it is. We're going to do this Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. I'm going to pick up that phone. I'm going to call somebody. I'm going to pray with them. I'm going to encourage him. I'm going to tell them I miss them. I'm going to do Whatever. Um, try to get together with somebody for for dinner now that the restaurants are opened up or whatever uh, have to be have to be intentional the best place that I see community happening in the Bible is Acts chapter two after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So what happens? God moves in a big way in people 's hearts and lives, and this is what happens. Acts chapter 2 is my actual text this morning. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42, and says this, And they, the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. There's a church in revival. Amen? And revival wasn't just this way. It was this way. Not just vertical. It was horizontal. It was not only their relationship with God, but their relationship with one another. You ever look at the Ten Commandments? Four commandments are this way. Six commandments are this way. How we live with one another. How we interact with one another. And James goes on to say that it's this that is the proof of this. Amen? Briefly, let's break this down. First, let's look at the practice of community. Verse 42... Devotion to the word of God, devotion to fellowship with one another, to breaking bread together, sitting down, having a meal together, and probably the Lord's Supper and prayer. All these things that that suddenly became the, the hallmark pillars of the function of the church things that the Holy Spirit was leading them to do. So obviously important in the eyes of God. So that was the practice of community. Number two, look at the effect of community. The Bible says that awe. They were all in awe, right? And that was before mentioning the signs and wonders. What were they in awe of? They were in awe of what was happening among them. They were in awe that, that they were just filled with the Lord's presence and and what God was doing in them as a community. And then the power of community, 43 signs and wonders were being done, obviously as a result of community prayer, of people gathering together, seeking God together, calling out to God together. Reminds you that at 830 on Sunday mornings, um, gathering together for prayer here, uh, for the service for God to move among us. Um, Other times, you know, during the week, uh, the men praying together, the ladies praying together, different, uh, you know, community prayer. When we come together Sunday morning to pray together as a body, there's great, great power in that. And God was answering that by anointing these apostles to go out and do miracles in the name of Jesus. That's the power of community. Number four, the philosophy of community. Look, look, verse 44, they were all together. They were all together. There was a sense of community togetherness in them they were a community they were of one heart and one mind there was a cohesiveness in this body number five the evidence of community and this 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 is humbling this is really humbling they had all things in common even selling their possessions and belongings to take care of the needs of one another wow, so-and-so needs a new roof. We have two cars. We can get by on one car. Let's sell that car and help them to get a new roof that they can't afford. Can you imagine what that would do to a neighborhood to see that kind of thing happen? And I'm not saying, I mean, I know that people have had needs, and I've seen this church respond and dig deep into their pockets. I wonder if we've ever dug this deep. I can't say I have. I haven't needed to. But this is the kind of thing that was good. They were so together. They were so one as a body that, that love your neighbor as yourself, right? This is, it's their need, it's my need. Why? Because this is the body of Christ. Your need is my need. Your hurt is my hurt. Your joy is my joy. There is something powerful In that kind of an attitude. But again, it takes looking at verses like these. It takes praying through this and saying, God, would you change my heart from that tendency to be by myself? My tendency to take care of me and not bother anybody else. That—that's. It sounds good, but in the end that I don't want to bother anybody else, kills community. And I'll tell you, when, when people come alongside and help one another like this, they get such a blessing out of it. I don't know how many times I have said through the years to people, don't rob them of their blessing. Make your need known so that people can experience the blessing of being more blessed to give than to receive. And being on both ends of that, uh, I I know what it is When, when Kathleen and I were in some very lean times and how we made those needs known. And I didn't want to, especially guys, I think. I didn't want to. Because it means I failed, I, I haven't, you know, done well. <clears throat> Malarkey. Everybody falls on hard times. It's a part of it. You know, in the Old Testament, the Bible says, there shall be no poor among you. And immediately after, God says, open your hand to the poor. Isn't that a contradiction? No. Why is there no poor among you? Because of community. Because when someone falls on hard times, the rest of the community gathers together and that person is taken care of. That's why there's no poor. Not because there's this, this sovereign, you know, check that comes in the mail. All of a sudden the, the Brinks truck breaks down and throws bags of money on your porch. Right. There's no poor among you. Why? Because of the love in this community. Taking care of one another's needs. That's the evidence of community. Number six, the attitude of community. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. Not only were they generous to one another, they were thankful for everything that they had. There was a sense not of entitlement, but a sense of, God, thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for our daily bread. And finally, the result of community. Verse 47, they were praising God. They were praising God. There was joy in the camp, right? For all that God was doing in their hearts and in their lives and their community, there was joy in the camp. And they had favor with all the people. This kind of community is so attractive to the outside world. Why? Because it's so different. Yet you ever wonder why some of these cults, you know, the Branch Davidians down in Waco, you know, why did things like this spring up? And why do people with college degrees join these kind of cults? Because sometimes, sometimes they do this better than we do. They have a strong sense of community. There is a strong sense of family. That charismatic leader that's off the deep end a lot of times gathers that little flock and stresses over and over and over, we are family, we are one, we sacrifice for one another. And people are Intrigued, they are drawn because of that basic need for community. And it is attractive to the world. The way they lived and truly loved one another made the church attractive. And because of that, people were getting saved. Day by day, the Bible says, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. People began to to flock around these weirdos that were really loving one another. They were hearing the word of truth. They were hearing the gospel. Why is this all going on? Because Jesus loved us so much that he came and gave himself on the cross. God loves us. God forgives us. God makes us a family. And they say, I want in. I want in. I want this Savior. I want this God in my heart and in my life. Day By day. Day by day. Somebody said years ago that it takes an average church of a hundred a year to make a single convert. Day by day, God was adding to their number. The result. Of community, Not just any community, but a community of believers who are intentional, committed to the cost, devoting themselves not only to the Lord in their hearts, but devoting themselves to one another. Now, citing a, a, a brand new study by the company Qualtrics. Um, Forbes magazine reports this. In their survey, 67% of people report higher levels of stress since the outbreak of COVID-19. 57% say that they have greater anxiety since the outbreak. 54% say that they are more emotionally exhausted. 53% say that they feel sadness day to day. 50% feel that they are more irritable, and 42% their overall mental health has declined. And can I say that this is not just the rest of the world? This is some of us in all of this. Stressed, harried, sad, And I dare say, a lot of us (laughs) would love to get a call or a couple calls during the week. Say, hey, how you doing? Just thought I'd call. Just thought I'd say hi. Right? We're not immune to this as Christians. Yes, we need to spend time in prayer and be uplifted in God's word. I I like that verse of scripture where, remember the the three friends um, came to the house where Jesus was and they they had a friend that was a paralytic and they let their friend down, They dug a hole in the roof, (laughs) let their friend down in front of Jesus. And the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith, he said to him, rise up and walk. Beautiful, beautiful passage of scripture. There are times, and I don't know if anyone has ever either clinically or um, for a period of time come into a place of depression. It is very difficult to open up that book and to find encouragement. It's very difficult to pray without the enemy going, God's not listening to you, and you just feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling and bouncing off. And that sense of loneliness and despair just grows deeper and deeper. Those are the realities. Those are the times. And again, yes, we need to do that. Yes, we need to get that word from God to to pick up our hearts. But sometimes we we can be in such a place where it's just so hard. Where we need somebody else in the body to put an arm around us and say, You can do it. You can make it. I believe in you. I'm here for you. What a difference. What a difference. Now, more than ever, we need to be devoted to one another, calling one another. I like, Carol Ann brought this up, uh, I think, at uh, Bible study this last week. She said, instead of social distancing, let's call it distance socializing. You see how that turns around? Yes, we're distanced, but we're socializing. We can put chairs six feet apart in the backyard, on the front porch, whatever, right? We don't have to not socialize. We may have to distance. But we still have to socialize. We are a body. We are a community. And we have to be intentional about it. Amen? We can still protect ourselves and each other by being smart, but we have to resist the urge to just be by ourselves, to hunker down in our homes until a vaccine comes. And I know that there are people, um, you know, who are on the severe end of, um, you know, being um, have other, other medical things that, that makes it even more difficult. But, hey, there, there's phones, there's Zoom, there's Facebook chat, there's, you know, we can't just not connect, have to connect as a body and as we are building community and being so enriched in the process we can invite others to join in right that's what the early church did they had it going on and other people came in to the fold but as Nick says have to put it on the calendar. Have to carve out that time and say, if you're bearing witness with what I believe the Lord is saying to us today, if you're bearing witness to that and saying, yes, Lord, I want to I hear your voice. I, wa- I want to obey you in this. I, I, I see the importance of this. Carve out some time. Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Saturday morning, whatever it is. This is community time. I'm going, to t- I'm going to do community every week. I'm going to do community. I'm going to reach out somewhere, somehow. Amen? Because that is the body of Christ. That's who we are. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your hand upon us, for your grace upon us we thank you for bringing us together lord all kinds of people short and tall fat and skinny whatever lord we're all we all have quirks we all have things that irritate one another and we all going to say things that are off and offend one another and all that kind of stuff but god you've called us to be a body help us to devote ourselves, devote ourselves, not only to you, but to each other. And do it in a greater and greater way for your glory, Lord. Build in us, God, something that, uh, that is just so attractive to the outside world. That you will add to our number daily, those that are being saved. We thank you. And we praise you, Lord. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.